What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. Where we continue to follow the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 2011. From multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half, how'd you get And you described that his head kind of exploded yes. when you hit I, him. Yes, I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. Go, go, go. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning, and then 45 minutes later, she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. Welcome back to the Operator Podcast. I am Robert J. O'Neill. And the point of this entire thing since the beginning, since the whopping six episodes before this, is uh, I'm not calling myself the operator. I'm just saying that was a position I was in. I was a special operator, but your job is to operate, and whatever you're doing right now is you're operating. Uh, whatever you do after you get out of bed, before you go to work, the habits that you have, the habits you need to break, things like that, what you do to provide for yourself, provide for your loved ones, provide help your friends' morale, basic stuff like that is you operating. So I tell my points of view as an operator to you, the operator. And one of the points I want to make today, after a very busy week, um, I get to travel quite a bit. And I'm not bragging, but I, I, fly, I mean, I fly a lot. But to, is to say I, um, I get to see people in their natural environment, which is transit. And... Uh, I get to see how people act. People are generally, generally, believe it or not, good to each other when they're not in transit. Um, when they're in traffic, when they're on the train, when they're in airports, on the plane, people don't really get along that well because, of, you know, there's the nerve wracking sense of I need to get to where I'm going. And, you know, people panic. One person panics. We're all herd mentality type animals and we will panic to it panic together but um i travel a lot and there's little things that i know like last week i went to uh i went from texas to new york and back to texas from new york and i think i did that a few times I went to chicago once i went to new york again i went to north carolina I went to detroit um and i'm not bragging i you know like i said i just i get to uh to to go in transit and i see a lot of stuff uh i you know what a good point of view too is i'm a big believer when when dealing with people, you need to take a second and put yourself in their shoes because you really don't know what someone else is going through. You don't know what's going on in their life, in their lives. And they are operators in their own right. And they're going through stuff. And, uh, you know, people complain quite a bit about the uh, Transportation Security uh, Agency, the, the administration, sorry, the TSA. We all know who they are. And they bitch that they have to deal with the TSA. But I started to to think over my years of travel that we, you know even though I'm flying quite a bit um, and I deal with the TSA a lot, they get to deal with us, 
every single day for eight to 10 hours. Can you imagine that? Working with people, dealing with people, and you get to interact with them all the time. Uh, and so what I, what I, like I know some, I see some of the same TSA agents a lot. I, I see some of the same flight attendants quite a bit. And if I'm giving you some, I'm giving you nothing but pearls right here. If you want to get through security in an airport with more efficiency, um, start it off with a smile when you go up to them. Have your shit ready for crying out loud, people. Have your stuff ready. Ha- you know what's crazy? Even, even though uh, you know a lot of people don't agree with needing ID everywhere you go, you're going to need one to get on the plane. Have your ID out. Here's a crazy idea. Have your boarding pass out. Ready for them. Have a smile because it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter at all which language you speak. Um, if you start off with a smile... You're gonna. It's 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 a it's a better tone. So try a smile, and occasionally, you know, I tell people in the leadership position, don't be afraid to say please and thank you for normal work once in a while to keep morale high. If you start your interaction with the TSA with uh, like a compliment, maybe something like a a beautiful day or, or your really nice shoes or some, you know, nothing to offend anybody because we all get so offended. But start it with positivity, and um, it might be a better interaction. So. Uh, in, in my travels, one of my hobbies that I like to do now is I, I, I like to go to sporting events. I like pro sporting events, everything from NFL games, NBA games, pro baseball I love, um, the Kentucky Derby, stuff like that. <clears throat> it's great to get together with people, especially now that we, you know, you don't know what you've got until it's gone. Getting together with people in crowds is kind of nice. I like doing that. I do it quite a bit. Uh, and it's almost funny. I, I was talking to a friend today. And uh, we were, you know, we're in mid forties now. He's he's a he's a former Navy SEAL too, and it's like, you know, it's not that I I hate people, I just hate stupidity. And it's like I, I love people, and what's weird is I I love gathering. So in in our um in our escapades, I found myself at a at a college um college football game. I went to East Carolina University. I went to ECU to watch them play the Campbell Camels. Which, if you don't think that's just an awesome fucking name, I I don't think we can be friends. Um, but and by the way, in my in my in my um, travels, I, I this is going to sound horrible, but I finally had Detroit style pizza, the best. That's the best, hands down. I love Chicago. Detroit style is the best. Uh, anyway, at ECU, uh, and I'll post some pictures. I I decided to blend in because I had some good seats up in the in the second level, but I wanted to blend in, so I bought a kick ass. Uh, a kick-ass yellow shirt, a purple hat, and this huge gold chain that, like, you're going to fit right in. Anyway, I stood out. Someone recognized me, and um, we took a selfie, and I was like, hey, yeah, he, he recognized me. I, actually, from the podcast, which is very cool, uh, it was Justin. He actually, after we took a we selfie, he said, uh, I hope this helps. I don't know why, but he said, I hope this helps me in the gym. Maybe I can bench 405, which, again, I hope he did. Mm. 405 is a lot of weight for anything. I uh, hope he did that. But um, yeah, we did that. We took a selfie. And then uh, uh, I actually, uh, it, they, uh, EC, e, uh, Barstool ECU posted. That was, that was pretty cool. And one of my things, I go to different games and we'll post stuff too. And, and uh, I'm actually, I, I'm a big fan of the, 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 the game there. I love I loved Pirates Nation down there. Very cool. Because uh, I, I was, a, I don't mean to say this too loud. I used to be a Washington Redskins fan. I'm not sure if we can say that. But that is, uh, that was like my, my I, I was bleeding burgundy and gold. Hail to the Redskins. I knew the son. That's Art Monk, Gary Clark, Jay Schrader, Doug Williams. God bless him. The Super Bowl, Mark Rippon. And, um, and then they just took it away. They took the team away. And uh, I don't know. You know, you need, I think you need to grow up in the NFL to understand the rules, to really understand uh, American football in the NFL. 
college football. And and if you're a, a fan, you know, obviously Saturday is awesome for college and then you, the Sunday games are the NFL and you have your team. But for them to just take your team away, I felt like a team, a guy without a team. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get into college football. I think I'm going to like this because the pros are the best of the best. And, um, you know, they've been the best player on every team they've ever been on. They, they've made it to that level. They're the elites. And they've, you know, they're obviously competitors and, and you're, you can get cut anytime in the NFL. But, but in college, they kind of, uh, they just have that drive. They got to get to the next level. And, you know, like it or not, very, very few college players make it to the NFL. And I, what I was thinking about was uh, since I was you know, a Redskins fan, but they, they have the hunger at ECU. Like the, the only thing now, that they're the Washington the Commanders. So the Commanders and the Pirates, like the only thing they really have in common is they could probably both beat the Dallas Cowboys. So um, I'm kind of getting into that. It's a lot of fun. I get to travel, like I said, a lot, of, a lot of time on different airlines. A lot of, a lot of time, um, a lot of time. On, well, on most airlines, there's one airline that doesn't uh, doesn't let me on any, anymore. Uh, I, I, it's not that I didn't wear a mask on Delta Airlines. It's I took a selfie without a mask, and uh, I was assuming it would be kind of funny, like the uh, uh, trying to expose the irony of you will give me water and peanuts, and I can't get COVID with the mask off. So as I'm chewing, I got to put it back up. That nonsense. We all, we were, most of us were there. And uh, I just tweeted it out and uh, took off on a plane. Apparently that had pissed off a lot of people. So I was banned from them. Uh, you know what's fucked up is they still send me um, a Christmas present every year for being a million miler, right? Like I started flying Delta, I think when I was about 13 years old and my dad made me get... Uh, a Sky Miles number. And I, like I flew to Alaska to hunt caribou when I was 15 or something like that. I, and they, they send me, a, a, I'm not sure if everyone at Delta knows they banned me, but I, you know, not that I don't need another set of fucking bookends every December 23rd, but I get them and it's, it's nice. Even though I don't, I don't think I need bookends per se because um, like a Marine said in, uh, in um, A Few Good Men, the only two books I read are the Marine Corps Code of Ethics. Sorry, the only books I read are the Marine Corps Code of Ethics and the King James Bible, which I think is um, appropriate. It's just it's just funny. I love I love the way that Marines think about that. And, and like speaking of travel, here's something else. Um, I I have I'm not bragging. I'm just saying from experience in the Navy. I think before I even left the Navy, I had over a full year of nights in a Marriott and they, so they have, um, not the Marine Corps code of ethics, which they should really reconsider, have that in there, but they, they have, um, they have the Bible, but they also have the book of Mormon, which I think is bright. So they have that in there. Marriott does that. That's the way they, uh, that's the way they roll book of Mormon by uh, the Bible's right there. Um, speaking of Mormons, did you see, uh, did you see that game in Oregon? What the crowd was chanting when they were playing BYU? Yeah, it's pretty bad. F the Mormons, something similar to that, and they kept chanting it over and over. And Mormons being Mormons, like they didn't murder a bunch of people over it, but they were kind of like, "What the fuck, dude? I mean, what have we really done?" And you know, I mean, Mormons. Think about it. Mormons are great. They um, Utah's wonderful. Great hunting. They've they've done a great job of um, managing the hunting, managing all the stuff up there, keeping people yeah, not necessarily in line, but they they really do a great job. We'll get into to to um. To the hunting and stuff like that, but the Mormons. Uh, I have a. Um, there's a funny story. I did go to Utah one time for a speech, and it was like an afternoon speech. It was a fundraiser, 
for some of these uh, big game hunting um, federations and whatnot. And I'm up on stage and I'm telling a joke and I'm, I'm an enlisted Navy guy, right? I have, I have, um, I speak like a sailor one time. So uh, I'm up there giving the speech uh, for Hunter's Nation, Hunter Nation. And uh, I'm talking, I'm that 20 minutes into a 30 minute speech in front of all these people, but I'm in Salt Lake City and I've dropped like six F-bombs. And then I, it hits me on stage. I'm like, I've said fuck to a group, uh, basically mostly Mormons, and they don't roll that way. I would rather say the F word in front of Grandma Georgia in Butte, Montana, and she just whooped my ass. But I'm up there, and I'm like, oh, my God. I've been dropping F-bombs nonstop, and, and I'm trying to think of a way to backpedal. And uh, what was cool about it is I sit down, and they were cordial. They're nice. They didn't say anything like they do. They, they, they can handle their emotions. And the speaker who followed me up was uh, Ted Nugent. Yeah, the Ted Nugent. And he gets up on stage, and um, the first thing he says, he gives me a wink. I'm in the front row now with a redder face than I have now. And he goes, that Rob O'Neill, sir, is a cool motherfucker, isn't he? So, uh, yeah. So, um, anyway, I travel a lot. The point, I guess the point of that entire story is everyone is their own vessel. Everyone's got something to do. Uh, as an operator, respect that. Respect them. When chaos comes, take a deep breath. If you're nice, they'll be nice. Um, panic causes panic. But calm can breed calm. I like to say that I've been a lot of places and seen a lot of things, but one thing that is common with success around the world is a good night's sleep. If you sleep well, you're going to perform better. That's why I'm talking about GhostBed today. Check out GhostBed.com. They've got more than 20 years of patented sleep technology. And every mattress has 20 years warranty. Some have a 25-year warranty. You can try it out for 101 days. And if you don't like it, which you will, you can return it with no hard feelings. And GhostBed.com offers everything you need with bundles. You don't really need to think about it. Just choose from their four mattresses, then pick your bundle. So whether you need a mattress or a frame or you want it all, they have cooling pillows and sheets. Get the best bang for your buck with a bundle at GhostBed.com. This coming from a high-performance team, this is high-performance sleep. So... um, Essentially, getting in someone else's head, realizing that they're a vessel, you're a vessel, um, there's a lot more going on inside than than people can see at face value. So if if you're worried about if all the stuff that you're worried about, and I and I bring this up a lot, and again, for the sake of reiteration, if I if I repeat myself, I guess I'm just trying to make a point. A lot of the the training that we did, it was it was enforced on us. A lot of the combat we were in, it was enforced on us. But if you're worried about all the things out there that you can't affect, why are you worrying about it? You can't. You got to stop worrying about it. If you can't affect it, what the hell is the point? When when we were training in selection, because we had Navy SEALs who had been through the world's most difficult training, and now they're going to, um, they've already been through it. They have the never quit attitude. They're trying to select guys. They're trying to get in your head. They they would make up scenarios where, even though you didn't screw up, they would punish you for it to see. If you could just get over it, if you could, if you could analyze it and realize that worrying about it right now is not going to help me, I need to I need to move forward, and I and I say that over and over again. Keep moving forward, but if if you if if your worry doesn't give you the outcome you think you should have had or think you should have, what why are you doing it? Get over it. Stop yelling. Stop the confusion. The only person who's getting affected by the negativity is you. 
when you wake up and then you go downstairs and start bitching at somebody because of something that you can't affect or or you're worrying about, and then you affect everyone else's day negative, and, and the negative vibes start to follow you around. It's with the chaos. Take a breath, calm down. Real all all you can do is affect what you can affect, and that's it. Um, I, I in Afghanistan we saw this with pilots before when we were on helicopters that uh, on a helicopter on an internal communication system with the other guys who were on ICS and the we you know if we start taking some anti-aircraft fire or I mean albeit RPGs in a dishka which is a, a huge anti-helicopter machine gun if any one of those hits you it can kill everyone on board it has done it before but worrying about it even though trust me you want to and you do on the plane but screaming about it's not going to stop it you're not going to stop one of those flaming footballs from bashing to the side and killing everybody and we were doing that one day and, and again if i told this story i'm going to tell it again there was a pilot up front and his name was al mack and we made shirts where we were sorry we talked about making shirts i still want to that just say i know al mack very experienced we called him flight lead he was the the leader of the the sticks going in and he knew we were back there yelling at each other and all he did was came over the um the radio and said well this is fucking bullshit and the thought crosses your mind, I'll, I'll be damned. This is fucking bullshit. Let's, let's get on with what we can do. Land the plane. It's not going to stop it. We, on the way in to, uh, on the Bin Laden raid, um, we could get shot down. We don't know if this works. We don't know if Johnny on the spot happens to be his first night on, you know, facing West on Pakistan's air defense. And all of a sudden he's got, you know, he's on his third double espresso with his finger on the red trigger. We don't know if he can see us. We don't know if he's going to shoot us down, but worrying's not going to stop. So occupy your mind and worry about what you can. Dudes are asleep. Dudes are listening to music. I was counting. I've told the story before. Um, and then, you know, you, you land, and um, the confusion and the chaos, no one's screaming. No one's yelling. It's like, well, we something must have happened, and we're out here, so we'll go over there. Well, that didn't work. I guess we'll go over here. Oh, our guys are inside. Hmm, doesn't matter why. They're just there. If we live, we'll talk about it later. The, um, we, we didn't know. Some of us, including myself, didn't know the helicopter crashed inside in the courtyard. The sniper going around didn't know it crashed. And there was some thing about um, be on alert. They're definitely ready for us. They have a training mock-up of our super secret helicopter in the front yard. And, and the boss said, no, dipshit, that's ours because we crashed. Oh, shit. Uh, that makes a lot more sense than what I was saying. You can almost hear his, his mind um, working. And he goes, we, that wasn't planned, was it? You know, whatever. Keep the humor. You don't lose your sense of humor. And then on the right out from Bin Laden's house. Okay, we just did a mission. They definitely don't know we're here. I I, I saw a dude outside with a, his phone lighting his face up. You can still follow him on Twitter. I'll find out his handle and, and I'll get it to you. He was tweeting. Why would they be doing a training exercise in a bada bat on, um, on a Sunday? And not so many words, something like that. And I saw this dude. He's His face is lit up. I've just left a target in Ramadi or Fallujah or... or Kandahar, if I came out of a target where we were blowing up breaching charges and shooting people and I saw a dude with a phone in his face lit up, I'm killing him because it's a war zone and uh, he could be clacking off an IED or he could bl be blowing the damn house up. But uh, all I thought was, shit, they don't, even, they don't even know we're here. Now we got 90 minutes and we're going to fly out. We can definitely get shot down now because there's people outside. They have F-16s that we sold them, they being Pakistan. They could shoot us down. But I guess uh, even though it's not a fair fight, my worry is not going to stop. the. I'm going I'm to stop worrying about it until you cross the border. You know, I mean, it doesn't worry. Most of the shit you worry about doesn't happen anyway. And what did it change? Why were you anxious? Why were you stressed out about that shit that never happened? Or, or did, you, did you stress out and it fixed it? No. 
change what you can change affects who you can. I talked to this is this is um you dealing with um EOD explosive ordnance disposal the bomb techs and I have a, a lot of stories about those guys and those guys are cool as ever. And this isn't my guy. They all said something like this because like most guys who they made action movies about they were there no shit no listen. Um but there's an EOD story where it's, uh, someone asked the bomb guy, "Why aren't um, are you stressed out? How stressed are you when you're de- um, um, defusing a bomb?" And he said, "I'm not stressed out. I'm. It's going to go one of two ways. I'm either going to be right, or all of a sudden it's not my problem. It's a pretty good attitude. Um, you know, I was talking to some buddies today that uh, you know that they're they're talking about. Uh, there's a there's a thing, and as as much as it sucks to say. There's really no one who wants to see a veteran fail more than another veteran, as sad as that is to say, and it's the truth. And I had someone say that someone that I knew didn't like me. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I talked to him, and he just doesn't like you. And uh, and I, my initial reaction is, well, that sucks. I mean, I, I want him to love me. Uh, I want him to like me. But um, I really haven't thought about that dude in 10 years. I hope he's doing well. <laughs> what the hell is he worried about me for? What he thinks has nothing to do with me and what I think has, it has zero influence on what I'm doing in life and I just, all I'm doing is wish him well. Every SEAL with whom I've served to, from the beginning to the end I have nothing but love for and that, that won't change and I refuse to, to hate someone because what is my hate going to do to them? I, I, you know, why? Do I have that big of a, do I have that big of an effect on your life that you need to, like, like even um, you hear People bitch about people in Hollywood or they complain about um, someone they know on TV and it's like, well, that guy sucks. It's like, well, how does he suck? I mean, do you know him? No. Well, it's not even – You. what's one of the sayings um, – uh, I'm going off on a tangent here, but never meet your hero because you're going to find out they're normal people just like you and you hating them is not going to not going to change anything. It's not going to – and why would you want to hurt them anyway? Like, uh, okay, I'm name dropping totally here. Um but uh, when I was going through selection, when I was going through green team, it was 2004, and um, the Red Sox were down 0-3 to the Yankees in the ALCS. And, you know, the curse of the Bambino, they hadn't won a title, uh, World Series. They certainly had, you know, the Yankees are the Yankees, and they hadn't beat them. And Johnny Damon, who's a friend of mine, awesome, awesome dude, um, uh, playing for the Red Sox. Obviously, they beat the damn Yankees, and, and um, uh, he's just a fucking stud. And eventually, he went to... Um, he went to the Yankees. He played for the Yankees. And there was, I remember a truck driving around Virginia Beach that said, Johnny Damon is a traitor in big red writing, like um, like the Red Sox writing. And it's like, Johnny Damon's not a traitor. For God's sake, man. He's a professional athlete. He's a stud. And he made a business decision. Just because you love the Red Sox doesn't make him a traitor. I mean, someone in New York's probably happy. Eh, most people in New York, I don't know if they're happy. I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's like you, you, don't even, you don't even know concentrate on what you can do what what can go on around you what can you affect around you like um there's um do what you can do with stuff that's happening around you what can you affect immediately here and the rest of it's just uh the rest of it can be just noise but it is about preparation and are you going to be ready if something happens you know i trained uh, a lot all the time um just for that time when i do need to face evil which has happened in the moment you don't have time to think about it, you need to respond with your training. Um, and it's only possible if you train often, keep your proficiency up. But nowadays, with the lack of ammunition, the price of ammunition, the cost of gas to get to the range, the time it takes to get there, it might not be as easy as it used to be. 
but there's a new way to train with your firearm in the comfort and privacy of your own home. It's called iTarget Pro. It's a revolutionary system. It develops muscle memory, reaction time, reaction speed, side alignment, trigger control, and more. And if you're, like, you're training somebody else up on it and they're worried about the sound or, the, or the, the recall from the weapon, you don't get it here. And by the time you need it, um, you're not going to worry about it because your adrenaline is going to be pumping, but you have that muscle memory. Right now, you can save 10% plus free shipping with the offer code The Operator when you go to itargetpro.com. When you get yours, simply download the iTarget app, load the laser bullet into your firearm, and start training. iTarget comes in most calibers, from 9mm to 223, so you can train with almost any firearm. This is the easiest and most cost-effective way to train, and it pays for itself in a single day. That's the letter I, targetpro.com, itargetpro.com, and the code is the operator. Concentrate on what is happening around you and try to affect it in a positive way. Try to make it good. Um, there's, there's a very dangerous tendency in the human psyche, and actually we can do an entire episode on this, but briefly I want to discuss something called the normalcy bias. And that's uh, getting lulled into a sense of complacency. That's where, because complacency is caused by success. And the normalcy bias is the belief in a nutshell that just because something bad has never happened before, it won't now. And that's the, um, that's the, the, hard, the hard data a brain has processing. Like your brain is going to, it takes about 8 to 10 seconds according to this study for your brain to process and to properly respond. And that's, I mean, an example of the normalcy bias, and I bring this up quite a bit, and we'll get into, um, we'll get into a lot of this stuff later, but on uh, September 11, 2001, the, the North Tower was hit first, and it's on fire. And in the South Tower, not only were people remaining in their seats and in their desks as they're watching people, uh, a very short distance away, jump to their deaths. They're, they're being told by their um, supervisors to get back to your desk. Everything is going to be okay. There comes a point in life, like I would think right then, that everything is not fucking okay. What are you going to do about it? We got to do something. Did you did you see that dude um, the other day in, in New York, in Manhattan, at the McDonald's, like in lower Manhattan? And you know it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why we're here. We're just here. Push literally comes to shove, and this motherfucker goes into his backpack and pulls out an axe. Yeah, an axe. I mean, and he got to respect the man later. Getting, getting, he didn't kill anybody, and he's getting, um, he's getting talked to by the New York Post, I believe, and they're like, "So why'd you pull out an axe? Why do you have an axe in your backpack? You're a guy on a bike." And he's like, "Well, I love, I love camping. I love camping with my family." And I'm watching. It's like you know, at least he had he had his story straight. It's like the dude at the Antifa rally holding a few cans of soup. You know, obviously you're there to throw them at the cops, but he's like, no, this is soup for my family. <laughs> it's like, all right. Apparently, the, this that dude likes soup. This guy um, likes camping, and they both love their families. But did you see? Did you see when when the dude? First of all, three dudes are jumping this other dude at McDonald's. Right, that's bad. Plus, it's like you know, it, they call it early morning. What is it? It's it's a little past midnight, so people have been out. I'm assuming there were substances involved, and not everybody in the frame of someone's iPhone was what we would call mentally stable. 
dude gets beat up. He, he like puts his hand like he's resting on his chin as they're punching him. Like, okay, is that all you got? Then he calmly walks around the trash bin, takes his backpack off, and starts digging. What do people start doing? They start grabbing their phones and filming. What should you be doing? Moving. Do something. This is part of the play that we call life, where I'd like to say it's time to actively participate in saving your own life. Dudes kind of went away. My man pulls out his axe like he slams a table, breaks that bitch in half. He he blasts a a window and it shatters. One of the guys that was, was beating him he went over and sat down, and, and in a chair with I think it looked like the girl, the the first guy who loves to camp was trying to hit on or whatnot, and uh, uh, he put his back to him. He put his back to a man, a madman with an axe, as if to wish him away, like make the bad man stop. It, it'll probably go away. It's it's like what what you do. When the active shooter comes in the room, you don't just go try to blend into the corner waiting for someone to come rescue you, especially in a city where it's so popular to want to defund the police, which they did. You need to actively participate in saving your own life. If this guy would have got hit in the head with an axe a few times, I wouldn't say he died from an axe wound. I would say he died of shame. And that's the normalcy bias. The dude's got an axe, he's behind you, just close your eyes, pretend it ain't there. Just be, I mean, that's like, <laughs> I guess that's kind of like my uh, my attitude when swimming in the ocean at night about sharks. Well, if you can't see it, it must not be there. All that nonsense. But in this case, guess what? He's there, he loves to camp, which is why he has an axe. Do something about it. He didn't, he sat there, and he was actually lucky, because the dude with the axe, he was just pissed. And, and he actually did say that he was just, um, he was just breaking shit to prove the axe wasn't fake. And I would say after one table, at least one pane of glass. I got you. I got you, Haas. That's a real axe. But it's the whole idea of um, just because nothing bad has happened doesn't mean it won't. And he's, he wasn't prepared. How, I mean, how do you prepare? Well, first of all, you pay attention to your surroundings. And no matter where you go. What's, what's the saying? Uh, be cordial or something like that to everyone you meet but have a plan to kill them. Know where the exits are. Know where your back is. Know what you're doing. When... when uh, do you know CPR? You should. Because that's one of those things where it's better to need not have than, or better to have and not need than to need and not have. Where are the exits in the room where you are? How do you get out? And I don't give a shit if it's an exit or an emergency exit or emergency exits for real. Where's the kitchen? I guarantee there's an exit out of the back of that. You move. Do, you don't need to win the fight. Like if a dude comes in with a really sharp knife and you don't need to stand up to him. I don't care if you're wearing your Chuck Norris jeans and you can sidekick the shit out of somebody. You don't need to fight a guy with an move. Get your loved ones out of there. If you need to protect them, obviously protect them. If you know some shit, fine. If you can win a knife fight with your hands, good on you. But do you know where the exits are? Um, do you know where weapons are? What weapons are around you? Do you have a concealed carry? Can you get a concealed carry? You know, you should. If you can, if you can carry a gun, you know, God forbid. We'll get into the Second Amendment and all that stuff later. I don't have the time for that today, um, it, although it's a very important um, topic. But you should. I mean, if you can carry. Th- there, there's no reason you should not be able to defend yourself in any position, but you definitely can move. Um, think about at home. Do your kids know how to use the fire extinguisher? Do they know where it is? Do you know how to use the fire extinguisher? Do you know where it is? Do you even have one? 
Think about shit like this. This is just all preparedness, being prepared. There's nothing wrong with being prepared. And I'm, I mean, shit, nowadays, I, I, normally I'd say you don't need to be one of those crazy preppers with a, you know, with a home in the mountain in case the aliens come for us. Shit, for all we know nowadays, aliens are here. If I'm coming over. But there, there's, I mean, be, be prepared. And, and you know, be, you can be smart about being prepared. When we were, um, when we were in the Navy, you know, we'd wear our, our gear in, in what we would call lines of gear. And that's your most important stuff. You have your first line gear, second line gear, third line gear. First line gear is the most important stuff that you have. It's, and it's closest to your body. It's on your belt. It's in your pockets. Shit you need now. Uh, your second line gear, second most important stuff. So what's that? Your extra mags, your grenades, flash crashes. If you carried frags, I never carried frags. Uh, um, you know, third line gear is least important stuff. It's your backpack. It's in. It's uh, on your back. It's your um, sleeping bag, ground pad, extra socks, foot powder, shit like that. The reason that you carry these in that order, so I'd been told, is if in case it gets so shitty and the bad guys are shooting at you and you need to run, um, and and you need to run for your life, you can start dropping gear off in the Im- in the order of importance. I'm running for my life. I'm ditching my third line gear. That's your least important stuff. Boom, it's on the damn ground. Second line gear can go next, and then God forbid you're 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 just running for it. And and one of the things, and and I, I never heard of anyone doing that. I do have a story where that happened to me one time, and I needed it. And that again will be another podcast. But it was one of those things where you just you just knew how to do it. You just wore your shit. I'm not saying you need to follow the code of ethics as we discussed earlier every single time but you 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 need to know your rules and then you follow your rules every single time because when you need it uh when the normalcy bias kicks in you need to you need to kick into your muscle memory it just when you go into autopilot you're going to need your muscle memory muscle memory if you want to be good at something do it a thousand times want to be really good do it 10,000 times repetition preparation comes from training Effective communication, repetition, training, effective communication, repetition. And that's why you hear me tell the same stories over and over because of the repetition of the rules of, of, of what we learned from the shit. Training, communication, repetition. And then the thing about effective communication too is, is um, I love this one. When you're done saying what you're saying, stop saying it. Stop all the yelling. You don't need to yell. I, one of the best examples I have is when a dude turned a corner and points his gun up and yells hallway or stairwell, stairwell, stairwell. It's like, I get it. It's a stairwell. I saw you aim up. It's either a stairwell or a really, really fucking tall guy. But one of the things on your, on your first um, first line of gear was what we called an E&E kit. And so E&E stands for escape and evasion. So shit you have in a pouch. And a lot of guys will wear it on your second line gear, but it's like, that's great and it's more comfortable for training. But how about that one time on the mountain in, in the Hindu Kush where you're getting shot at by fucking Chechens and you ditch your second line gear? Guess what? You're eating kicks. It's on your first line. You need it on your first line because at the point where you lose your pants, fucking hell. Um, it's just, that's a, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty bad day. And even the stuff with a the, with the pistol. Uh, you know, pistol on your first line. A lot of places I didn't carry a pistol. Because I'm a huge believer that, and this is anywhere with concealed carry, or this is in the mountains. If it comes to you pulling your pistol, you know why you have your pistol? Because it might get you to a rifle. Let's just fucking be real about this. This is coming from a guy that shot people. So your E&E kit is on your first line gear, and that sort of came down to what you think you need. You know, like um, iodine tabs in case we get to water and, and it's shit. I can kill it. It's going to taste like crap, but 
so does drinking your own piss, depending on what kind of a weekend, I guess. But um, uh, iodine tabs, um, extra shit, uh, a reflecting mirror to, to signal aircraft. That's another thing about uh, about yelling when it doesn't help. You ever seen like uh, those movies or the TV shows where someone's stranded on an island and then the damn helicopter flies over and they're yelling, hey, hey, you know what? He can't fucking hear you, man. Just wave. Maybe he'll see you, but he won't. Maybe the bear will eat you. Probably will. Maybe the shark will get you. You'll be lucky. Uh, anyway, um, you're carrying shit in case of a survival situation. And just always know that you have you have what you need when you need it. Make sure it's up to date. Like the reason that when you see a fire extinguisher, if and when uh, you use one, if you know. And by the way, a fire extinguisher is not to put. It's like a pistol. A fire extinguisher is not there to like put out the fire. The fire extinguisher is to get your loved ones out and then hopefully you uh, get them out. That can get you to the fucking window you need to jump out of or, or, or whatever. Um, so, and then that, anyway, next to the fire extinguisher, you'll see like little checklists and stuff where people marked it off. They signed the shit off. That's, it's up to speed. That's why you always take care of your gear because your gear takes care of you. So the E&E kit is something that you have. You want to know exactly what's in there. You want to know that it's fresh. I'd be, I'll be damned if, 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 I, um, if I'm on E&E running from the Taliban and I have a stale Snickers bar. Fuck that day. But um, I started to lighten my load. Uh, this is this is in in back when we carried M4s, so we did not quite get to the HK416, but the M4s, of, I believe, and the gun nuts are going to kill me on this. I believe the M4 is the fourth modification of the M16. Am I right? Maybe it's a fucking M16, and and I guarantee there are dudes way younger than me out there, kids right now who play Call of Duty that know a shitload more about guns than I do. It's an M4. That's important to the story. Um, so the E and E kit, all I started carrying was. Uh, uh, well, other than iodine, I think it's important. You're going to need to get water eventually. But I would carry a 20-round mag. The old-school Vietnam was the shorter mags, a 20-round mag of 5.56 millimeter, the, the bullets that go into an M4. And someone asked me why. And I carried it, obviously, because it's streamlined. It's small. fits in a pocket. You do your little button-up, depending if you're wearing either your camis or your tiger stripes or your Chuck Norris jeans, which are awesome, by the way. I didn't mean to bash them earlier. You can put, you can put the damn thing in your pocket. Um uh, so I would carry it and they would say, well, what is that? And I, I said, that is my entire E&E kit. And they said, well, how does that work? I said, well, it's not a 20 round mag. I call it the M4 charge card. And they would say, what does that mean? I'm like, well, it's very simple. You have a car. I have a gun. Now I have a car and a gun. The M4 charge card. <laughs> Speaking of traveling. <laughs> I have mentioned being prepared Anything can happen, and the only time the perfect plan exists is when you're planning. I've been in gunfights. I've been ambushed. I've also had babies. One is more stressful than the other, uh, and that's because there are rules in a gunfight. So when you have a baby, you want to be ready for it, whether you're doing a transition from a cool backpack to a changing table or you need your quick draw for some baby wipes. This is some serious cool gear. It looks awesome. Very practical, highly functional, and extreme quality. It's always ready, and I'm talking everything here, uh, obviously from the cool factor, but to the diaper bags, baby carriers, strollers, wagons, everything in between. It's a lifetime warranty. Definitely worth checking out at tacticalbabygear.com. And you will get 15% off at tacticalbabygear.com when you use the code THEOPERATOR. Remember, God, guns, and diapers. Speaking of traveling, there have been a lot of people traveling recently from 
the south to the north because of some of our uh, some of our political positions. Uh, a lot of people call it open borders because of the the way that we're welcoming people here, the way that they're promised a better life. Uh, a lot of people are getting smuggled. You know, there, there's uh, again. We can talk about a lot of in the future. There's a lot of drug cartels, moving people, coyotes, a lot of money being exchanged, a lot of bad stuff happening. People are drowning in rivers. People are walking from South America through Central America, through Mexico, crossing borders and, you know, getting hurt, getting killed. A lot of bad shit's going on on the way, drowning in the rivers, groups of people dying in hot trucks of diff- for different reasons, horrible reasons. A lot, of, a lot of people moving up here. And naturally, like we do everything else in this country, we're making it very, very political. And as opposed, God forbid, for thinking for yourself, you're either on one side or the other. Like even if you're on one, and I'm talking about both sides, if you're on one side, God forbid you disagree with your friends with political beliefs, they're going to ostracize you. If you, you know, follow the herd mentality. So it's getting politicized. The, you know, the right is saying the left is not reporting on it. I don't think they're reporting on it, they being the media, because, again, we can get into the personal power shit and who, who can stay in power, who stays in power, so I get to keep my power, so all that stuff. But... Uh, it's all political talking points until it gets real. And, and um, a, you know, a lot of it gets real. The fentanyl stuff crossing, um, what will happen if bad guys know our, our borders are open, which they do. But recently, we've all seen this because it, it, um, a lot of migrants, I think 50 migrants showed up in Martha's Vineyard, which if you have never been or have never heard of, is really nice. But they're known for being a very liberal, elitist society, and you know they'll do the slogans, do the chants, but then all of a sudden, 50 migrants show up, and, well, we got to get them out of here. So it turns out Martha's Vineyard's border security is really good because they were able to deport 100% of the migrants in like 40-some hours. So they got rid of them, and you know they're, they're playing it off as, um, well, we just helped them on their journey, which, is, of course, is back to Texas or whatever. Um, but it did raise awareness of, <clears throat> I think, what's happening, and, and they're going to continue to do this, but it's still political posturing. Uh, I couldn't help but start thinking about this for, for a reason, and I don't mean to make light of it, but sometimes the darkest shit comes up, and I've been in dark positions, but it comes up with some pretty good humor. And no matter where you are, keep try to keep your sense of humor. If you lose your sense of humor, your, your, um, your body's going to follow. Try to keep your morale high. One of the things I was thinking, again, I talked earlier about putting yourself in someone else's shoes. And I know a lot of people from, from Massachusetts. My wife is from Boston. I got married in Cape Cod. I golf in Cape Cod quite a bit. I love it up there. Love Boston. Love going to Sox games. Um, but I was thinking, you know, outside the box. Imagine being an eight-year-old walking up from South America, say you're from Venezuela, you walk up, you end up in Martha's Vineyard. Let's say they keep you eight years old. Obviously, English is not your first language, but say you get into that public school system there and like you're in high school and you're trying to understand what they're saying, like with the cheering section of the cheerleaders. I say wicked, you say smart, wicked, smart. Give me a W, give me an O. What's that spell? What's the... <laughs> uh, Anyway, I bring this up because I, um, I, I actually, Worcester, Mass. I actually know quite a few people from Worcester. I work with um, with a guy from Worcester, and and it just seems it just seems like, especially in that area, they always run into each other. People always from certain areas run into each other. Like if you want to, if you go to if you're a vet and you go to a bar, you run into a vet. I run into um, people from Butte, people from Worcester, Mass. Run into each other, stuff like that. We we the guy I was working with from Worcester, Mass. Um, he and I were at a place called Fob Shank. 
and FOB is a forward operating base. So it's where they put you out. Uh, you know, it's like you have the the um, the main bases, and you put forward operating bases out there. And they name after something else. So FOB Shank is uh, they they um, they called it Rocket City, and it's it's in eastern Afghanistan. It's in Logar Province, and it's it's on the border. Part of it borders Pakistan, and it's been there forever. Uh, Logar Province. Um, they've been they've been uh, they've basically been. They've been at war a lot. There, there's a there's a saying. I'm going to read this here. There was a Swedish journalist in 1982, and I want to say it's it's a Borg Almquist. I hope I'm saying that right. He visited Logar Province and he wrote everywhere in the Logar Province the most common sight, um, except for the ruins, are the graves. So um, it's no bullshit. There's been fighting going on in Logar Province. That's where Fob Shank is, Rocket City, because it was one of the most rocketed places. Uh, and this is a place like a, a Fob Shank. When your time's up, your time is up, and life can change. Your life can change. Your life can end in the blink of an eye. Fob Shank, you, you can be leaving one of the shitters and um, be walking to the talk and get hit with a mortar. Uh, we, we, we had a place we lived in. This is Okay, this is after the Bin Laden raid. I, I did a deployment with a different squadron, with Silver Squadron. We went to Fob Shank. We're in, our, we're in like our bee huts. Which are like cardboard. You can first of all, you can tell America's not serious when we're rebuilding it out of cardboard or whatever, whatever the shit that is. Talk to some BBs. They'll have CBs. They'll have beer. They'll tell you it's not cardboard. It's something similar to it. It's 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 not steel. And then so you have your bee hut, your room, and then you have what are called hescos. We talked about those. The big, uh, huge sandbags on the other side were our vehicles. One night, one day when we were sleeping, like two of the vehicles got hit and blew up right next to the damn. And we didn't because it just wasn't our time. But anyway, we had just gotten to Fob Shank. I'm with my buddy from um, from Worcester. We're walking down from our bee huts down the hill because obviously it's icy and it's cold and it sucks. It's Afghanistan. It's wintertime. And uh, we're yapping at each other. And you can hear his Boston accent. And and, and uh, I'm pretty sure every everybody from that part of the world are either Sully or Fitzy. Anyway, I'm with one of my guys. And another guy's coming out. And they see each other, and you hear him yelling that accent. He's like, "Hey, you the new seals in town?" And uh, he goes, "Yeah." And he goes, "Hey, um, um, uh, Thanksgiving's coming up. Let's have a football game. We're the Rangers. Rangers versus Seals. We'll play you guys tackle football. What do you think?" And my buddy goes, "Oh, yeah. Do you mind? <laughs> We're fucking in our mid thirties. You guys are twenty year old Rangers. You'll kill us." And they're ta- and my accent sucks. Forgive me. But uh, they're they're uh, they're talking back and forth. And he goes, um, "Where are you from?" He goes, "I'm from I'm I'm from Mass. What?" What what pattern from Worcester Mass? Because I'm from Worcester Mass. They started talking back and forth, and it turns out that um, the young kid used to get babysat by this kid's grandmother. So, like I've said before, it's a uh, it's a large planet, but it's a small world, and and uh, that's Fob Shank and and Rocket City Fob Shank. Even the dudes that you hire are probably going to kill you. They no they want to kill you but again it comes back to who do you trust more it's it's uh myself family tribe religion money so if you're paying people enough money talks um but one night at fob shank and i say one night because we we work at night we sleep during the day when everyone else is out and about um defending the constitution and bringing jeffersonian freedom to the world like we do winning hearts and minds uh, we would be sleeping, but then we get up at night, and again, I mentioned it was it was around November, December. This is 2011. Um, 
we ain't doing shit. We're getting our butts kicked by the Rangers at Halo because we we figured well we didn't figure it out. Someone smarter than us figured out how to put the Xboxes to each other, and the Rangers were awesome at Halo. And I was good. Like I, I think I was like a high level brown belt at Halo. Rangers crushed me. We you can't beat them. And 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 at least they didn't talk shit all the fucking time. So um uh anyway, we weren't working every night, and we did have to eat. And in between keeping our Herculean physiques and, and um, sending love letters and whatnot home, and trying to get, do a, like a, a uh, we were doing Skype calls and shit before it was cool, before like you could do it with no pants on and still get employed and not bitch that you didn't you need to come to work again now that the pandemic's over. But we would um we were walking down to I think whatever. We're walking down to the chow hall and on the chow hall we have our spot, but then we have the chow hall where everyone comes to and that's when you see every mix of every people and it's uh you, you just no shit have like the the dudes who drove the trucks from the port of Karachi through Pakistan, Torkham Gate up here. So you got different levels, like no shit, like uh, uh, people bringing stuff off of ships, paying off the Taliban to get to these gates, to get on the base, blah, blah, blah. They delivered here, delivery guys there. You have local cooks who are Afghans, and you had, maybe have some A&A guys, a couple army dudes come in, this, whatever. You got a group of people, but we're eating. So we work at night. Not everyone else does. So we're eating at night by ourselves, sort of. And there's a couple locals in this chow hall. I'm hanging out with my one of my buddies, and... Um, we kind of look around, and remember I was talking about the self-awareness, like, okay, well, we, we it was busy a second ago, now it's not, and it's as quiet as that, and it's two of us at a picnic table in this tent for the chow hall, and I look at him and I said, "What's what happens right before something bad happens? And he goes, oh my God, everyone goes away. The locals disappear because they know it's coming, and we realize everyone's kind of gone. This one guy walks past us, and he's carrying a tray of fruit. And he no shit drops a plum. And it sort of <laughs> rolls down and my buddy goes. <gasps> and we we realize it's a plum. And he goes, well, at least I know how I'll respond when someone throws a grenade at me. <laughs> so th- this is Fob Shank and this kind of the shit that we were doing. And again, that's sort of a, I, you know, when your time's up, your time's just up, I guess. So I have been around the world. I've been a lot of places and there are definitely two things I know. Mismanagement governments lead to economic destruction, and gold has value everywhere on the planet. Whether it's incompetence or intent, the result is the same. Rising inflation and wasteful government spending are destroying the U.S. dollar. I've seen it firsthand, believe it or not. I've seen inflation firsthand. In the late 90s, I was in Istanbul, Turkey. I wanted to see a movie. I went to an ATM, and it cost me 7 million lira to get into a movie because of the printing and spending and the incompetence of the government. That's why I am partnered with Allegiance Gold and want you to diversify your portfolio. My friends at Allegiance Gold can help you protect your IRA or 401k with physical gold and silver, or if you prefer, have it delivered securely right to your front door. Their approach is different. They focus on educating and developing a long-term strategy that's right for you. That's why Allegiance Gold has some of the highest ratings in the industry. Five stars with TrustLink, AAA rated with the Business Consumer Alliance, and an A-plus from the Better Business Bureau. Go to protectwiththeoperator.com and get up to $2,500 of free silver on a qualifying purchase when you tell them the operator sent you. Or give them a call at 844-790-9191. That's 844-790-9191. We can't control the Biden administration, but we can't prepare for the consequences of their mismanagement of our economy. Protectwiththeoperator.com. 
That's protectwiththeoperator.com or call 844-790-9191. So, Fob Shank, the uh, the place where you get rocketed, that's the, the, you know, rocket city they called it, in the graveyard of empires. Uh, it is in Logar province, like I was mentioning, and the provinces like Logar, Nagar, Paktika, Paktia, Kaust, uh, Kandahar, Helmand, uh, you know, all there in the in that part of the world where it seems like Pakistan is the the center of the universe over there. So you got like Pakistan and what I'm just trying to orient you where because orientate, I don't think is a word. <laughs> People say maybe it is, is it? Uh, Afghanistan is there. You got Pakistan here, and then you got uh, Iran on this end, and then you have like the stands, uh, Pir Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, all that stuff up there. That there's actually a part of Afghanistan I'm convinced that's lawless, but a part of Afghanistan, believe it or not, um, it touches China, and that's that's north of like the federally administered tribal area, the FADA, and I'm just convinced that's where time stands still. I think if you look on the maps closely, like you do a Zoom or a Google search, I think it's called like Buttfuckistan, something like that. But that, I'm just trying to orient you there. We're on the eastern side. It's been part of the trade route forever. Um, Fob Shank, we went there. Like I said, it was after the Bin Laden raid. I, I did switch teams because, and again, we can talk about a lot of this uh, here and there. Because um, we went from the Bin Laden raid to you know the greatest day of our careers to the worst day of our lives uh, the same year when Extortion 17 was shot down, August 6, 2011, right after. We went from the morale being as high as ever to going right in the shitter. We lost, you know, two, we lost 30, 30 Americans were on that. Uh, Bart was on this, so the, dog, the working dog was there. Um, and we're, we will get into Extortion 17 in detail later. But that helicopter that took off and was shot down in the Tangy Valley, What it took off from Fob Shank, the one that we're on right now. And, um, you know, there's some history there. I you know, I knew other guys, obviously, that were on that bird. Uh, Fob Shank's got some history. We'll get into that, like I said. Uh, and I've been asked on in the comments section about conspiracy theories because I bring up 9-11, I bring up the Bin Laden raid, I bring up extortion uh, because, it's you know, it's personal. And I, I was involved with a lot of that too. So people, like, they'll ask me about, <clears throat> because I um I brought up 9/11 and there's conspiracy theorists out there and they always ask me what happened to to World Trade Center building 7 which was a 47 story office building immediately to the north of World Trade 1 the north tower and it um it it collapsed like 7 hours from the time of the 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 trade center collapse and I'm not going to get into that to that right now but that's just uh that's the history of shank being there and um kind of like i can only tell you what i saw uh and that's that's pretty much all you have to unless unless you were there at the time you only know what you were told if you didn't see it um you you know you can't say for certain whether or not it happened that's including these uh lunatic times that we're in right now i'm i was looking up up uh up quotes recently about the truth and uh elvis presley said the truth is like the sun you can shut it out for a time but it ain't going away that's the king man he's just he's just talking there so uh you know the the truth the the, the truth is all all that we have and um unfortunately we get wrapped up in all the politics of everything uh it, you know, if you're teaching someone anything, start with the facts and then, you know, let them sort them out for themselves. But um, 
the truth is written by the winner. Unfortunately, the, 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 the history is written by a winner. Uh, but if you can start with the truth, if you have the facts, um, it's nice to have the facts because you don't need to remember bullshit. Like we talked about buds, SEAL training. If you quit, which is fine, just admit you quit. Then you don't need to remember the bullshit for the rest of your life. Tell the truth. Admit it. If you fail, admit it. Learn. Then get over it. You don't need to, you don't need to, um, you don't need to sweeten everything up uh, just to make it better for you. You don't. You're, you're, the truth does not care about your feelings. But nowadays, because of feelings, the truth like it's, it's the truth that needs to be defended, and your feelings seem to be right for some reason. But for some reason, it always comes back. It always comes back to that. And sometimes the truth doesn't matter. We make it political for people who are allowed, for people who are in positions of power, who, for people who want to keep their power. And believe it or not, they don't really give a fuck about you. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna say what they need to say in order to be politically correct and to keep their fat asses in the spots that they are, and that's that's what they do, and they avoid the truth until they uh, get smacked in the face with it. So I, I'm I'm bringing all of this up because I'm getting to a point um, and about the polit- politicizing of everything and trying to keep your own uh, your own personal power. Be where you can. Don't t- don't toe the party line too much as long as you get what you need and i'm talking about selfish people not the way not the way you should do it i'm uh i'm going back and forth you know i've talked about travel i've talked about uh staying in hotels and certain airlines and stuff like that and and why are you hitting people that you don't know um i I did talk a little bit about religions i mentioned mormons and i i think it's safe for me to say anything controversial about religion because i was raised catholic and we only hate ourselves uh that's uh i'm I'm trying to get to a point i'm I'm suffering from what my uh my father calls irish alzheimer's and that's where you forget everything except your grudges (laughs) um but like i mentioned with like the 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 johnny damon thing like you don't you don't know who he is he's a great guy we golf together a funny story about i'm getting off on a tangent again um we were golfing at my event for a special operators transition foundation last year. And it was me, some guys, Johnny Damon, uh, my brother was there. My father-in-law, uh, McTeams was there. And it's funny to be out a long night and then you're golfing the next day and watching Johnny Damon look at people and point at him and go, Oh, fuck you. Fuck you. Definitely. Fuck you. You're a cool. Fuck you. Um, but I, I'm, I'm bringing this up because of the mindset stuff, but they're at it again. They being the people who are trying to say that um, that uh, SEAL training is just too hard again. Uh, and so I, I'm reading this article, and, and bear with me as I'm reading it. Uh, it says, Vice Chief of Naval Operations, uh, Admiral William Lesher. Now, I don't know William Lesher. Um, he, was, he was what they call the old goat in the Navy, which means he was the longest serving um, naval uh, active duty naval academy grad and i think he went through in, in 1980 but he ordered a um an investigation by an outside admiral to investigate seal training because uh, like they have 30 days to see if like and if this you're working with the government they're not going to come up with a conclusion in 30 days but but he he uh, ordered a rear admiral from outside the seal leadership to conduct the investigation so he passed the buck and i just uh, it turns out that he actually retired in like september 2nd recently so he did this he can get rid of that, and that's fine. I don't like I said I don't know the guy, but he's doing this because it's getting too hard, and they're getting into um, uh, other trainees. We did have a, we did have a student uh, who died recently, which is a shame, and 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 I'd love to help his family if I can, but they're kind of getting fed the the party line by a candidate who was going through training with the trainee who died, and they're and obviously he was a guy that um, 
didn't make it through. He quit, so he's holding a grudge, and it's always poor me. It's the whole. Uh, he said something like, "Yeah, he fell behind on runs, and they made me do extra push-ups, and they made me do extra calisthenics." And like, you poor little guy. How in the world? It's, it, and they're saying it's harder now because what? Whatever. It's not harder now. I get. I guarantee it. And he said like he he was. He he was to the point this the student where he fell behind and instructors held him down and kicked him and told him to quit and I, I will bet you ten thousand dollars right now no instructor ever kicked a student like that but that's what he's saying there's it they're so they're so good with uh, the safety that's going on at this course that uh, you know don't get hurt or you'll get fired you know safety first excellence second but they're they're going through the course and and um, they're they're hitting up the the commanding officer. Captain Geary, he was a SEAL Team 6 guy, but it doesn't exist even though it's in print right here. Naval Special Warfare Development Group, same command I was at, and he's in a lot of heat right now because he's trying to make it better, and, and that that's a shitty position to be in. Um, you know, and there's, there's candidates out there. Regina Mullen, who's from New Jersey, her son did die, and I, like I said, if I can help, I would. I will. Um, but now now because they're getting spun up with emotion, they're just they're not realizing that it's hard for a reason. And and if, if you start to punish people, it's a very, very hard course. It's a selection course and and, and you you want the best of the best when, when it comes to it, right? You um if everyone's special, then no one's special. It's gonna be hard. And and it's it's the whole thing where when the normalcy bias kicks in and you, and you need to get rescued and you want somebody there, you want someone who's been through the hardest training in the world to be the person that gets there. And that and that's as simple as it gets. It's 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 um, you want the people out there who have been through the courses, who have the mental toughness, who have the ability to, in a really really difficult situation, to get through it together, to um, not care about themselves. That's why we carry the boats on our heads for long long periods of time to learn how to depend on each other. That's why we have what's called swim buddies. You don't go. You get punished for being alone. Apparently, like this douchebag who didn't quit but apparently they didn't like him they kicked him out of like physically kicked him out of training it's not true like hell week he was probably the guy bitching about yeah it's five and a half intense week of uh, underwater demolition intact no it's not it's here take seven guys put the fucking boat on your head keep going that way period can you do it that's the guy you want that's the guy you want that i mean it's one thing to talk politics and to talk about um which side of the aisle we're on and which party we can keep um, in power and how we can get through the midterms and, and how can we use these families that are getting across and how can we pretend there's not fentanyl, how can we pretend there's not uh, cartels and how, how, do we, how do we make sure we punish Texas but we get them out of this spot and, and all they're doing is yelling and screaming on Capitol Hill with the media who are their friends and then they go out and drink cocktails together and that's it. However, it is one thing to make light of the hardworking people who show up in Martha's Vineyard. But guess what? At least they're not Al-Qaeda. Yet. And when the big bad wolf shows up, which it will, and when they attack us again, which they will, and it won't be the same way because they're smarter than we are, because they're thinking about the long game and they don't give a shit about the bathrooms. They don't introduce themselves with pronouns. They introduce themselves with a big kaboom. And don't forget that they're coming. And what's the easiest way to get here? Through our southern fucking border. There's nothing wrong with being vigilant. There's nothing wrong with being the truth. Even if you're the only one who saw it or the only one who believes in it or the one who relies on emotion, the truth is still the truth and your feelings do not change that. So keep that in mind. You're never out of the fight.